Hear the word of God from the book of Luke, chapter, four, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35, located on pages 860 through 861 in the Pew Bible. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it. And gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to guide our time of reflection this morning on one of the post-resurrection stories that has shaped my life the most, this story of the walk to Emmaus. I was called to ministry on a weekend retreat at the Upper Room in Nashville, Tennessee when I was 19 years old. Back then it was called Curcio, but it later became known as the walk to Emmaus. It was the summer before my senior year of college, and I was preparing for a career in public relations and communications. One evening during the retreat, we were scattered out among the chapel by ourselves, just quietly praying. And 
I had confessed all my sin and I was right with God and I was sitting there wondering when we would eat again and uh, not really doing or asking anything. And I was looking ahead at the end of the chapel. There's this beautiful life-size wood carving of the Last Supper. And I'm sort of looking at the figure of Jesus. It's like very three-dimensional wood carving. And I'm just sitting there and out of nowhere... I heard a voice that said, I want you to go to seminary, get a master's in Christian education and work with youth. I turned around to see who was behind me. Who said that? There was nobody behind me. It was weird. And so I looked again and I was like, what? And inside this, I didn't hear an audible voice, but internally, I just very calmly and peacefully heard I want you to go to seminary, get a master's in Christian education, and work with youth. Well, at that, I jumped up and ran out of the room. I I went and found the guy that was the head of the the chaplain for the weekend. And I said, Jack, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. And he said, well, do you know what that was? And I said, I have no idea. And he said, it was God. And I said, God? Why would God be talking to me? I don't even believe God talks to people. That's weird. And he said, I think that God has, has something to say to you about your future. And so that moment became foundational for my career, my calling. And even as my calling has evolved over the years and I've done different kinds of ministry, I've always had the assurance that in those quiet moments when my soul was calm, when I was calm, Not all the days in college when I was frenetically going, God, what am I supposed to major in? What am I supposed to do? What am I going to do? And then it was crickets. God didn't talk to me in my anxiety and my frenetic being. God could speak to me when I was quiet and peaceful and listening for him. So I'd like for us together to take a look at this walk to Emmaus story. And if you brought your Bible, extra points, it's like you're a Baptist. But if... uh, but if you're a Methodist, in the hymnal, in the, uh, in the Pew Bible, 860 to 861, we're actually going to look at the story together a little bit. And I want to talk to you. In my mind, I'm walking around down there, but it's apparently easier to see me if I'm up here. So pretend I'm right there beside of you, because just like Jesus, I want to be right there. Okay, so page 860 and 861. This full story is unique to Luke. Though there is a faint echo of it in Mark 16:12 to 13, if you want to look at that later. So to set the scene for the story, let's look at the opening verse, uh, chapter 24, verse 13. It says, now on that same day, okay, who knows what day is it? Very good. Easter. It is Easter. So you know what's happened right before then, right? They, and do you remember who first heard the news of the resurrection? The women, right, Mary, that's right. And so, and how do you think that went over? Do you think these guys believed that? Mm, Not so much, did they? Mm -hmm. Some things haven't changed. First, (laughs) we got important stuff to tell you if you just listen. Okay, verse 11. These words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, and then let's go on down to verse 14. You can see that, so they're talking, they're walking, they're talking about what had happened. So can you imagine for a moment what it was like for those disciples? Because they'd been following this guy for three years. They thought they had their king. And they had just watched him crucified on a cross. 
and they believed he died. So what do you think they were feeling? Let me hear some feeling words. All of that. And the baby crying, yes, they were crying, every, absolutely. So, you know, we too have had moments that we have believed in something, hoped for something, dreamed in something, and been crushed, been disappointed. In verse 15, who comes up to walk alongside them? Right, you're at church, it had to be the right answer. Jesus, Jesus is who comes alongside them. On this road of broken dreams, the incognito Jesus joins them on their journey. The embodiment of their expectations for liberation walks alongside them. There's a famous painting of the walk to Emmaus that uh, I want to show you just for any of you visual learners to help you get into the story for a moment. So let's take a look. You see the guys are walking along and then here comes Jesus and they're just walking and talking and Cleopas, I don't know if he's the guy on the left or the right, uh, one of these guys uh, starts talking about all the things, a summary of what's happened this last week in Jerusalem. So verses 18 to 24 are where Cleopas is talking and Really, his story is incomplete, though, until Jesus uh, tells more about it as he interprets the scriptures in verse 26 and ultimately makes himself known to them in verse 31. Jesus, his own interpretations, he explains that it was not to defeat God's purpose, but as a necessary pathway to new life. And maybe as we're meandering along our pathways, we'll see if there might be some reason, some lesson that God has for us. Let's look at the verbs in verse 30. Tell me some of the verbs you see there. Took, blessed, broke, gave. Very good. Took, blessed, broke, gave. Does this remind you of another meal? Right. Just a few nights before they had had the Last Supper together. And in those verses, that explains how their eyes... Their hearts were burning within them when he talked on the road. And when he opened the scripture, it was in these breaking that he became known to them. The sacramental meal began with an act of hospitality, an invitation to a stranger who could have been seen as an intrusion or an interruption. You know, God places these in our lives as well. And it is perhaps true that they might have a message for us. So your homework this week is when somebody interrupts you and you are tempted, oh, you are tempted to be very busy and very important and not take time. Perhaps there's an invitation for you in that moment to be Christ or to encounter Christ, to hear some word that Christ might have for you. Now, maybe not every interruption, but just one. Let's just find one good interruption this week that there might be some, some reason that God has put you all together. Because I believe that being present in the moment is how we experience the presence of the living Christ. So today we're going to be invited to meet the same living Jesus in our own service of word and table, our own exposition of the text, and partaking of the Lord's Supper and Holy Communion. It's not enough to hear the story or any of the Bible stories. It's not enough even to know the right words. But to me, I believe that this living story of Jesus is one that must be experienced. My own story is not one that has been all sunshine and roses ever since I heard that call to ministry. I've had my own challenges and missteps and mistakes along the way, as we all have. Perhaps my darkest moment was a few years ago when I was in a car accident and I had a concussion. 
I wasn't prepared for the way that it would alter my life forever. The constant headaches, the inability to sleep, memory loss, confusion, anxiety, cognitive challenges, and heightened sensitivity to noise, people, in my job, you're kind of around people, uh, and emotions, all of these things were overwhelming to me for months. And so a few weeks into it, I was writing in my journal, I wish my wounds were on the outside so people would know just by looking and perhaps extend a little more grace and patience and understanding. This inner pain is so deep, it cuts me to my core. I am so lost. I don't know how to stop it or fix it or heal it. I feel betrayed by my own mind. Am I still in here? Or will some other creature emerge? Will there be any vestiges of the old? I've been afraid. Afraid of what I will do or who or what I will forget. Afraid that this cloud of confusion will envelop me forever. Fear threatened me to my core. No one and nowhere was safe. Like the car that came out of nowhere and hit me, I was on alert. Any sudden movement or sound was going to hurt me. I so desperately needed God to come, but I dared not believe he really would. I couldn't form my thoughts or words. I couldn't give him anything. There was no prayer on my lips. Just overwhelming fear and sadness and confusion and anxiety. These unbidden guests were unfamiliar and had taken over. All-consuming, they tricked me and made me think they were real. I believed them. I forgot who I was, who I am. So I simply surrendered it all, this pile of confusion and sadness. I gave it to him and I said, here, take it. Help me. I am so lost and so tired of being lost. It took many, many months. But eventually I did believe that God cared and he was with me that I'm not alone. No matter what I remember or forget, I know that God's love and peace are in every cell of my body. I am love. Perfect love casts out all fear. I will not be afraid of my concussion or headache or confusion. They are not who I am. It is well with my soul. My soul is safe. My soul trusts in God to care for me. I was writing in Picnic Island Park and I wrote that as I gazed out at the beauty of the park, I realized that the sun didn't seem to worry if it would remember how to shine. And the birds didn't seem to re worry if they would remember how to fly or chirp or sing. The fish were dancing in the water and the sunlight was glistening off the sea grape leaves and it was beautiful and peaceful. And I suddenly realized that what I'm created to do is love God, to know God, to honor him to love you. That's all I have to remember. I don't have to get caught up on all the details because then I'll get lost. My main purpose is to remember to love God and love others. I remembered who I was and that I wasn't alone. I don't know what your story is, what your dark place is, but Christ wants to hear it. Our question for you this morning is what story of sadness do you long for Christ to hear? As you came in this morning, you received one of these blue cards. And so I'd invite you to take a moment to reflect on this and write it down on the paper. You can put it in the offering plate when it's passed later. What story of sadness do you long for Christ to hear?
Feel free to keep writing as you need to. I want to assure you that Christ does indeed hear your sadness. That's so beautiful. I sort of wish he just played under the whole sermon, but... Because that takes me to a place. That's lovely. I want to assure you that Christ does indeed hear your sadness. He enters into your story and is with you, each of you, in your sad places right now. Even if you don't know it or feel it, I promise he's there. As Paul Tillich put it, suffering introduces you to yourself and reminds you that you are not who you thought you were. My greatest lesson from the concussion was to let go of the illusion of control and surrender completely to him. Does anybody else in here like control? It's an illusion, friends. The sooner you realize that, the happier you'll be. In surrender, there was a great relief that I didn't have to try so hard to get it right or do it perfectly. I could let go. It was in the letting go that I knew that God is who was in control. My question now in every situation is, do I trust God or not? If I do, I let go of thinking that I have to understand and figure it out and do what's best. The mind of God is greater than mine, and I can only see him when I let go of the outcome and completely trust him. That's when I feel God's peace and calm. It can be yours in the midst of every storm if you will surrender yourself to him. Years ago in a Bible study, a woman in this church told me I could pray or I could worry, but I couldn't do both. So which will it be for you? The walk to Emmaus story does not end with sadness, though. It continues in verse 33 when the disciples got up after they broke bread together with Jesus. They hurried back to Jerusalem to find the others and share the good news of Jesus and how he had been known to them in the breaking of the bread. He had turned their sadness and despair into hope and excitement. The call to witness to what God is doing in our lives is central to the message of the gospel and is a key way in which we are God's instruments of peace and love and hope in the world. The message that creates a believing community needs to be heard again and again and again as we share and deepen our faith by remembering and sharing our stories across the dinner table, the pew, the street, the globe, and across the generations. It has been suggested that hospitality is the key to evangelism in our day. Actions more than words, welcome more than self-protection, provide the space where others might fearlessly enter and find themselves at home. Sharing the common meal crosses boundaries and allows communion with Christ, who meets us whenever we gather at the Lord's table. The story moves from isolation to community. Christ joins himself to those on the way, who then makes space for him. God always creates space for the other in order that true community might be formed. Scripture is best understood in community because as we're learning in Roger's Manna and Mercy class, we need others' interpretations. We need other people to help us hear the story within the story within the story. So can you know a story about God? Yes. Can you hold a belief in isolation? Yes. But can you fully experience the love and grace of Christ by yourself? I say no. I say that it is in the fullness of community that the gospel is truly revealed. So the good news of the gospel message is not just for us to have alone. It is in the taking, breaking, blessing, and sharing of ourselves, our stories, and the sacrament that Christ is known among us as well. 
A few years ago, while on a mission trip to Nicaragua, Glenn Simpson felt God prompting us to begin our week with Holy Communion. On Monday morning, he invited Pastor Juan Carlos to come and share the sacrament with us. Glenn was so moved by the communion liturgy and heard quite literally that as we take the body and blood of Christ, we become for the world the body and blood of Christ together. It was a very powerful experience that as we took communion, we knew that we took Christ out into the world. And so this morning as we prepare our hearts for communion, I hope you will come expecting to meet the risen Christ and the breaking of the bread. I hope that as we hear the liturgy that you too will remember that you are a part of sharing this story. Are you feeling broken or do you have a story of sadness for Christ to hear? Perfect. Because it is in our weakness that he is made strong. It is in our surrender that we can rest in him and not in our own power. The next words of Jesus in the chapter are the words I want to leave you with. In verse 36, Jesus comes along and says, peace be with you. I believe his words are so echoing here today, this morning, resonating within our souls and within our community. May you each know the peace and presence and power of the risen Christ in all of your stories and in all of your brokenness. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we often journey in confusion and disbelief, acting as if you were gone forever from our sight. Help us, Lord Jesus, to recognize you in those who journey with us along the way, to recognize your presence in the word of Scripture, to deepen our love for you in the breaking of the bread. May we always know and experience your presence in our lives. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.